Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersena, from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. We are into July. The sun is over our head. It looks like it may cloud over a little bit. Gives us a little bit of a reprieve. But the gardens are looking beautiful. And our lawns are lush. This week, as we are venturing forth, school is over. And of course, I have a little extra time for the granddaughters. And as the education rolls, we see that there's a few more ants in the backyard. And it's amazing how one shies away, little girly, the other eager to get her face as close to the climbing little ants and the mystery by why they are all over the peonies. So it's kind of fun to learn and teach the kids, too, about relationships between a bug and a plant, especially on peonies. The beautiful peonies, I have to say, if you're driving through the city, wow, it is a statement that is truly to be loved. The color combinations, the types, the styles, the fern leaf peonies, the piece of resistance of the family is purely beautiful. So the poem today, of course, is peonies. This morning the green fists of the peonies are getting ready to break my heart as the sun rises, as the sun strokes them with his old buttery fingers. And they open pools of lace, white and pink, and all day the black ants climb over them, boring their deep and mysterious holes into curls, craving the sweet sap, taking it away to their dark underground cities, and all day under their shifty wind as in a dance to a great wedding. The flowers bend their bright bodies and tip their fragrance to the air and rise their red stems holding all that dampness and recklessness gladly and lightly and there it is again beauty the brave the exemplary blazing open do you love this world do you cherish your humble and silky life do you adore the green grass and its terror beneath do you also hurry self-dressed and barefoot into the garden and softly exclaiming of their dearness fill your arms with the white and pink of flowers with their honeyed heaviness their lush trembling their eagerness to be wild and perfect for the moment before they are nothing forever it is a celebration of gardening the gardens are starting they're looking fabulous and there's a list of things to do right so let's go right to the lines and see how what's happening, and how we can help people. Good morning, Harvey. Good morning. Good morning, and where are you calling from this morning? I'm calling from Brandon. Well, good morning. Uh, uh, do you guys have rain this morning? Uh, no. They Not yet? It's going to be, but uh, there hasn't been yet. Yeah, you know what? I thought when we look at the, sometimes, you know, in our industry, we're kind of tied to the weather very much. I, you know, we're like farmers, right? So we're looking at it, and I have a tendency to always look at the satellite weather, and it says rain. And 
I thought it was going to be sunny, and then all of a sudden I wake up and boom, there's clouds. So <laughs> hopefully it can stay away for a little while so we can be in our gardens. That's right. How can we uh, help you today? Well, I have a question on the sprays for the raspberry for the spotted wing. Um, I, I remember you saying something about using ambush. Yes. Before. Now, I, I contacted the Wilson guys because it doesn't say about raspberries, and, and they said, well, you should probably do it like what it says for grapes. But then, you know, they vary from 100 um, milliliters to 200, and then they say for the grapes not to eat the fruit for 14 days, which seems to me like it's too long. Yeah, you have to spray. There is definitely when you're using... Um, ambush, but, but I think what they're trying to tell you is you're, normally when we take one item, they may not list the other item that's on it, but it's treating that, and you do have to give that time span from spray to, um, to be able to harvest. Now, when they classify that you could probably use it at the same time frame as grapes is because they're looking at the structure of the fruit itself in, the softness and how much it would affect that fruit by sort of the same textures, I think, probably, that's on it. But raspberries, I know that um, if you could start spraying them prior to just when the flowers are opening, and I know there's different stages of fruiting, right? Because you always have that new fruit that's developing, correct? So it is a little bit of a timely matter in which you you can put it onto it. Um, Unfortunately, years ago, there used to be more... uh, crop care products that you could put on them but we're getting safer and healthier so we're trying to eliminate those purposes of using more of a chemical aspect that's on it right yeah but if you wait 14 days isn't that i mean that That, gives the that that's too big a span for that fly isn't it well, if you're spraying right at the beginning when it starts, I think if you're what they're doing is if you're try, trying to spray at the very beginning when your flowers first come on, you're trying to get the fly before it gets into that blossoming okay. where the fruit starts to develop. So it's like your apple maggot. Um, like it's similarity is this: if you go to the apple maggot fly, we want to be able to put the apple maggot traps down below the foliage, and what we want to do is we want to catch it and treat it prior to it getting when the flowers drop and that maggot gets into that developing fruit. Okay. I I have put up some uh, strips uh, there. I I caught everything, but it doesn't look like I've got the fly yet. Uh, uh, The other question is, will malathion, is that safe enough to use on that too? Oh, malathion's a hard one. Um, Sometimes malathion... Um, I would personally stay away from using the malathion. Oh, you went on the apple tree or raspberry? No, on the raspberry. On the raspberry, yeah. I would probably not do that. Okay. Yeah, and, I'm not an endorser of using that on edible crops. Like And the B- BTK? BTK. Uh, BTK is mostly for your worms or caterpillars. Okay. That's And that would be not for when it's inside a fruit. Like a lot of times you'll get the little worm on the inside of raspberry. BTK is a yes. contact spray. 
So when you use BTK, it has to be on contact to it. But if the, the worm is on the inside of your raspberry, it's not going to get yeah. that contact, right? It's going to be okay. encased with the berry. But does it kill the fly? It's does... mostly targeted towards worms. Okay. Okay. Uh, so is there any other product? Uh, you know what? I'm going to um, reference, if I can leave that. Like I said, I like to grow it, and I have a business partner that is in the, um, he used to be a rep for uh, treatment of things. So uh, maybe I'll see if there's something that he can come up with and I can mention on the next show that's on okay. it. Okay. All right. So, but uh, I'm going to be the first to say I don't know it all. And we will learn and grow together. Okay. Well, thank okay. you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. And I hope you get a little bit of sunshine out there in Brandon. It's a great it's a little city out there. So hello to everyone out in Brandon. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye, Harvey. Let's talk gardening. We're going to go right to the lines. We have Sonia waiting. Good morning, Sonia. Good morning. Good morning. And where are you calling from this morning? I'm calling from Lake Audie. Where is Lake Audie? Lake Audie is uh, 14 miles west of Onanol, and like we're just south of Redding Mountain National Park. Oh, it's beautiful up there. Yes, yes, we love it here. Yes. So how can we help you today on the Lawn and Garden Well, you know what? I have a problem growing cabbage, and whatever, the canola beetles will just eat them, and then they just die. The plants die. So I was wondering what kind of chemical or what kind of insecticide can I use? I know desis uh, works very well, but it's a agricultural um, product. Product, yeah. and yes, it's not recommended for for gardens. Yeah. Okay. So when you're doing it, you can probably uh, at an early stages to get the beetles away. Um, try some diatomaceous earth that's on there if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, do a little bit of a spray with maybe an ambush at the early stages oh, so that you yeah. can get... Oh, just a moment, please. I turn the radio down. Sure. Yeah. Okay, what was that again? Okay, diatomaceous I... earth. Di- yeah, that, I use that. You use that? Yes, um, but some... I did sprinkle it, and you know what? They, they're still on there. Okay, uh, so maybe do a... Like, I would hear, with the suggestion that's in there, if you, do, if you did the diatomaceous earth, Sometimes you can do a spray application of ambush because in the early stages of the development of your cabbage. Okay. And then if you want to get really preventative, grab some row cover. And once you're done, get your row cover that's over, that's hooped over it. It's going to allow the moisture to go through. It's also going to allow sunlight to go through. But new bugs coming to the area, you're not going to be able, you'll eradicate the new entry. So with your row cover, you can lift, treat, then put the cover back down. Right. So you may have to do this in a cycle to get them, but with the addition of a row cover on top of it, uh, it is giving you that prevention of new insects coming in. So you're going to reduce that, okay? Okay, right. Yeah. So row cover right now is probably one of the things, um, you know, my business partner and I, we kind of hash out sort of things of what's happening within the time frame. Because uh-huh. gardening, you can take your calendar and you go, okay, this is the flea beetles. They're coming off the crops or before the crops are going in. Now they're going to head out back to the crops. So we see certain garden aspects of when bugs are coming and uh-huh. what their proactionary measure would be to treat that. So I would probably say do a treatment. And then get some row cover. Row cover to cover it. Row cover, yep. Yeah. Okay? Oh, yeah, because yeah, it's impossible to grow 
cabbage unless you treat it well, you, or look in, after it. Yeah, you know, um, there's very few things that we can do that put we put into the garden and we can just walk away a little bit. Mind mm-hmm. you, right. um, there's always a, a scenario, right? Because in, in some aspects, um, I just, uh, you know, I'm home a little bit more and I'm gardening when I have my granddaughters there. And uh, I do have one patch of... Uh, chives that seems to grow everywhere so that's one thing that self-seeds itself everywhere but cabbage and our other crops like that vegetable crops we do need a maintenance and a um, care factor that's in there for sure i know like for garlic like i always had a problem for growing garlic because the maggots eat the roots yeah and so but i use water a gallon of water and what a teaspoon a tablespoon of rubbing alcohol yeah Depending what strength it is, like I think I used the seventy percent, and two tablespoons of dish soap, and I oh. treat them about three times, and yes, I otherwise I can't grow garlic, and, and onions. You, wow! So what is rubbing alcohol, dish soap, and water? And water, yes. Wow! That's okay. what Doctor Bill Payton from Brandon University when he was um, available for, and that's what he said. Yeah. And uh, it works, so eh? did uh, whatever the previous um, person on Portage, like on your on your garden show, Dwayne. I can't I can't remember his name. Yeah, it was, it was Dwayne Friesen. He's a good yes, friend. Yes, Dwayne Friesen. Yeah, he was yes. also the one that recommended that. Well, that's perfect. Well, thank you very much for reintroducing that cure. Yes. Okay. okay. Thank you very much, and oh. I'll try to, whatever to look after my cabbage. <laughs> well, we want to make sure that you look after that cabbage because I, I, um, I always remember, uh, you know, the little scenarios of it. Uh, the first time I met my husband, he took me out to see his uh, baba in Portage. Oh yeah, and uh, we spent the day digging potatoes and helping her look at her cabbages. So the cabbage is beautiful because the harvest. Just think of all the benefits of good cooking that you make from that cabbage exactly like sauerkraut and yeah we make pierogies out of it and oh. whatever cabbage soup and even like fresh vegetable and yes oh it's you know what awesome i product i even love uh pan fried cabbage with a little bit of caraway seed and a little olive oil oh it's, really okay that sounds good it's very nice very nice, nice. on the barbecue also Oh, that I haven't had. Okay, yeah. we're we're going into a culinary aspect yeah. of cabbage today, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just That's... slice it up and and put some butter and salt and pepper and in foil, and barbecue it. It's awesome. In in foil, but not right on the grill. Yeah, no, I, I, well, I do it on foil. Oh and, wow! And usually on a on a fire instead of on the barbecue, like okay. on the on a, a fire pit. Oh yeah. And oh. yeah, it kind of browns and yeah, it's delicious. Oh, I can see it get kind of buttery and golden on there, too, as well. Okay, right. you have me salivating yes. on there. Okay, <laughs> Okay, thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you, thank okay. you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Gardening may even include some uh, gourmet ideas of what you're going to be making from your gardens. But we're going to go right to the lines. Mary's been waiting. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. Good morning. Where are you calling from this morning? Luminort. Bloomer, I know where you are. Hey, did you get rain this morning? Yes, we did. Yeah, it was, that was a dark morning, wasn't it? It yes. was just, it was going to just let Not loose, what I, I think. Expected. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I thought it was going to come down a little bit 
more than what it actually did. So I was quite surprised. Well, I just watered my garden or my uh, lawn yesterday, so I didn't need the rain today. <laughs> well, it's just, it's going to make it so so lush. You have to, uh, like, I'm looking at the lawns as I'm going around, and the lawn is such a contrast from what we had last year. It's kind of ni- nice to be able to uh, well, it go was barefoot. nice and green to begin with. Yeah. It's nice to be able to tickle our toes in that grass this year rather than a little bit of stubble we had last year. Yeah, well, I watered a lot last year. Well, you had a good uh, well service there. That's yes. good. Yes, yeah. I did. I didn't nope. have to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's That's a good thing. That's a good thing. How can we help you this morning on the Lawn and Garden Journal? When is the best time to transplant peonies? Uh, usually with peonies, I like to sort of, well, in mine is A, after they have bloomed, uh, you could do that. Give it a little bit of time for those seed heads. Uh, once the flowers are on there, you can sort of see the de- development. Yeah, I have the early peonies. Okay, so if they've gone through um, mid to late summer is usually the time that you could do it because any time we want to lift something, um, there's kind of a general rule of thumb. It, if it's if it's spring blooming, do it late. If it's late blooming, do it early. So peonies and all that, I like to see it uh, done in the fall because they've already been blooming, and you know you oh, don't okay. want to. Yeah, you don't want to disrupt it in the spring because it's getting all its energy to give you that wow factor of all those blooms, right? Right. Yeah. So. If you're going to do it, um, it's always advisory if we're gardening in excessive heat. Make sure you dig your hole where you want the new location first and then lift and then it allows for less time out of ground. Okay? Okay. Yeah. And the other thing too, um, I know that we're adding more moisture, but when you're digging your hole, um, I don't know what your soil conditions are, but here in the city, we're very clay-based. So when you dig your hole, if it's in a new area, uh, we have to remember that our soils are very compacted. So um, if you've got that scoop shovel, just make sure that you're slicing some lines into that pre-existing soil or clay so that it's not a smooth bowl look. We want to make sure that when the new roots radiate into the new soil, uh, it's, it's not hitting that smooth size. It's got some crevices and cracks in there that it'll help to uh, bite into the new soil, okay? Well, I had no trouble getting them going. They're under my trees. And now my trees are so big that we lost the, the sight of the of the peonies. <laughs> I I know where you're going from because I have one I have one lilac tree that uh I think uh, even here sometimes they get mislabeled and it was supposed to go to about 4 to 5 feet. So at a young stage it was hard to see whether if it was a Meyer lilac or a different variety. So I too have a peony that's under a 8 foot lilac bush that needs to be moved. So I I feel your uh I feel your inspiration of wanting to get it moved. So Okay, okay so I'll do it in fall. Yeah, you can do it in the late uh, early to late because you still Remember, when we move something, uh, we want to encourage the root growth to get it established yes. before it goes into winter. So if you, um, the other part, there's so much So to how do. early in fall can I do it? You could do it September. Okay. Yeah, early September, uh, you know, end of August, early September. Uh, just We call it our second planting season in the garden world because okay. that's when... Uh, well, I had one peony root that I had to 
planted in my in my flower bed, and it looked very pathetic this spring. <laughs> but it, I watered it and fertilized it, and finally I got it growing. I had one flower on it on that one stem. <laughs> well, next year it will give you some more. Just remember, in the first years when we establish something or if we disrupt something, we really want to put... And it was a beautiful pink, big peony. <laughs> oh, was it? oh, I love pink peonies. They're just so gorgeous. So gorgeous. But just remember, too, put some bone meal or some root rescue in the bottom of the hole so that you get some uh, establishment of new root growth, okay? And sheep manure. Oh, you could put a little, yeah, well composted. Well <laughs> composted sheep manure, not not fresh. Well, I buy okay. mine, so I'm Oh, sure good. That's, yep. Yeah, yeah, it'll be well composted. wonders for my flowers. Yeah, and make sure that you keep it in proportion because high nitrogen and using too much uh, fertilizer uh, causes more upper greenery and growth, and it kind of delays our blooming, okay? Okay. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Okay, thank you for calling, Mary. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, let's go right back to the lines. We have Hetty waiting. Hi, Hetty. Hi. Hi, how can we... Oh, first of all, where are you calling from? St. Mallow. See, I know exactly where you are. Good. Good morning. Good morning. I have a problem with my tomato plants, and I've had this for year in, year out. I've moved them to different parts of the garden. Uh, okay. They grow beautifully. They come right now. They're in bloom. There's even some fruit on them. But my, it starts from the bottom of the plant. Uh, it gets this dry, the whole, the bottom leaf just dries, and uh, then it moves on to the next one and the next one. And before I know it, I have nothing but one stalk of uh, plant and uh, a little bit of fruit on it, and they, they just don't spread out the way they should, and yet the soil is just beautiful soil. Yeah. Okay. Um, some of the tomatoes, when you're getting into it, if it could be a little bit, um, you could be getting a little bit of an early blight that's happening on it and some of the blights that we have are usually uh, incumbent of temperatures and rain that's in there so it can affect the foliage deeply by the night you get the modeling effect that's on it um is it okay what do the leaves look like are they yellowing with black dots? well they they go you know a little yellow first and then it goes dark brown and uh, that's and they're dead. Okay. All right. So if you can remove some of the, if if there's any foliage that's left on it that's unaffected, uh, I would remove some of those leaves that are on there. I've done okay. that now, yes. Okay. And then if you're wanting to go through it, um, don't compost. Try not to compost any of those leaves. Those will go direct to trash, right? Yes. That's on there. So there is a little bit of a copper spray or sulfur spray that, um, that can help with the I prevention. can't hear you. You're cutting out for some reason. Oh, copper. Okay, can you hear better. me now? Yeah. There's a copper or what copper spray. spray. Yeah, copper spray. Uh-huh. I would try putting some of that on it, okay? okay. And try when you're watering, try and water. Uh, I know it's hard when you say watering aspect when nature itself drops all this moisture on us. Yes. Um, Try setting your water regime where you try not to get as much moisture on the foliage. Go direct to ground. Mm-hmm. That's on there. And sometimes, too, uh, we get a lot of splashback from the ground up onto our leaf structures, which also could cause 
some bacteria that gets up on there that could cause some diseases. So if you get a little bit of, I love using fresh grass, dried grass <coughs> clippings, and I put them around my tomatoes. Oh, I see, yes. Uh-huh. So if you have dried grass clippings, mm-hmm. um, I usually put them in a bucket and let them dry, and I till them a little bit so I get this dry, strawy look that's mm-hmm. to them, and I place it under my tomatoes so that I'm not getting that repeated backsplash from the ground back up on my foliage. Oh, that's interesting, yes. Yeah, okay. It's happened for, for well, a number of years now. Every Everybody else has beautiful tomato plants, and mine just, they they start out wonderfully well, and then before I know it, I've got these brown, dried leaves. Yeah, we'll try doing that. And you've done uh, crop rotation in the areas, yes, correct? Yes, they are not okay. in the same place. I've, I've moved them. I move them all the time, and it always seems to happen. Okay. Try the watering regime. And like I said, I know that it's hard when it rains naturally. It's, yes. You cannot control that. But let's try with that first, okay? Okay, I'll do that. Okay, thank you for calling, Hetty. Thank you. We're going to go right back to lines. Mary is waiting. Hi, Mary. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Where are you calling from this morning? Winnipeg. Cloudy yes. Winnipeg. It is. You know what? I thought, uh, you know, we, there, we were going to have a sunnier day today, and but I think the we have a little preemptive rain uh, that's going to be coming. By 4 o'clock, the sun will come out. Oh, well, then that's what we, <laughs> that'll be perfect timing. Perfect timing. I just want to ask you about garlic. Okay. Okay, when the garlic goes into that bloom or whatever you call it, it gets the little ball on top. Yeah, the sca- you're getting your scape with the flowers. Right. Is yep. it better to take it off or leave it? Because I heard if you take it off, you get a, bi- a bigger head of garlic. Is that true? Well, you no? can. Well, some people will say that they will do that. Some people is removing um, there's different portions of it that say that you should remove it, and some people are saying that if you want to do it, you know, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it when it's um, the first bulges at the top of the stalk is usually happening, and that, in some cases, that's May into late June. Now we're finding that it's in July, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so some people do say that if you remove that bloom that your your bulbs will get a little bit bigger. Check and see if you want to see a sort of a test that's in there, and I'm always one for testing things out. If you do part of your crop where you want to take, remove the flower off, then remove part and see what it does for your area. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes the bulbing out, it could be removing of the flower, mm-hmm. but sometimes um, soil too will affect that or even the growing season. So oh. it's hard to say that in the first year that you would get a true test of whether it's the flower removing or it could be weather or soil type that will allow that bulbing or the, the maturity of your um, garlic. Garlic, okay. Yeah. Okay. Is this the first year for growing garlic? I have garlic all the time, but I just heard people talking about if you take the, the flower off, you get a bigger head. So I never did that before, so I don't know. Well, and, and my heads could, weren't that big. <laughs> well, try it. Try it. Take yeah. it off because it does put it does kind of make sense because when a plant goes to produce a seed or a flower, they want to produce a seed afterwards. Mm-hmm. So the energy is going into that production of that seed. Right. And in the annual categories 
where we want to make sure that the plant goes lusher and bigger, uh, we cut the flowers off so that we are having more energy go to the rooting to produce more upper growth, and then you can get more flowers. Right. Yeah. Right. I would give it a test. Okay. Thank you very much. You're very welcome, and thank you for calling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're going to go right back to lines, and Henry is next. Hello, Henry. Good morning, Carla. Well, hello. How are you? I am fine, and how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I have a question for you. Sure. You know, I cut grass. Uh, my lot is about an uh, acre and a half, four hours of grass to cut. Every spring, I have a million dandelions. This year, I have seen only one honeybee. Ooh. What happens to the plants without bees? Well, um, there definitely there's lack of the pollinators that you're going to see. But, um, <coughs> I don't know if there's been reported lack of bees this year, um, but I must say um, if you came to Winnipeg, we could tell you that we probably had all the dandelions in Winnipeg this spring. It was floods of yellow everywhere that's on there. Um, I don't know what would affect the lack of, um, are you seeing less bees, Henry, in your area, or is it just well, the lack you know of what? the dandelion? Uh, we have uh, about three doors down from us, we have Marge's uh, Organic Gardens, and they have uh, honeybee hives. Well, their honeybee hives, <clears throat> excuse me, pretty well all got killed off over the winter. Yeah, so yeah. there is no bees going around. You know, we have a field, 1,800 acres across the road from us. Usually he puts granola in there. Well, there's tons of bees. But, I mean, um, you know, years ago, I remember about five years ago, I was cutting my same uh, grass, all the uh, dandelions. I didn't have the heart to cut them because on every dandelion there was a honeybee. But this year, I have only seen one. I don't even see no yellow jackets, no nothing. What's going to pollinate our cucumbers and tomatoes? Well, that's actually one of the notes that I have down on here, because I know that in our backyard when I had uh, a ruby and violet in the garden, we saw a little bee, and I know where you're coming from, because we have a gentleman that uh, this spring that parked a couple of his, overwintered some of his hives just the south of our property, and the winter was hard on them because of the length of time that's on there. And he even said that he had lost a few from his colonies because of the weather yes. that's on there. So I think in cycles in nature, um, we may see the, the ebbs and flows of insects. We see that on bad insects as well as good insects. So we just have to hope that the colonies repopulate themselves and get them going. Um, you know, so that we can have those pollinators that are out there. Some the, of the... You, you know, a friend of ours said that, you know, it, it's kind of like a cycle, that if there is no bees in five years, there'll be no plants. Well, let's not think of that. I, I well, no, think you know what, the, I way, know. the way this world is coming to, sometimes I wonder when is the good Lord going to pull the pin yeah, well, that's a that's a call that we have to hope that we not get. Yeah, but, but I, I'm I'm still worried. I've got beautiful round tomatoes, but how is it getting pollinated? I mean, well, where my tomatoes is, it doesn't get the wind very much. Yeah, well, in some aspects of what we're doing is, if there are some listeners that are out there, 
I know I'm a great one for doing an activity uh, with the grandkids where I get a little paintbrush and I go from one to another. And I know that this is going to be a problem if there's uh, areas where you have larger crops. You're, you're physically not going to be able to do this. But the percentage of some of them are taking even a male blossom and a female blossom, removing one from it and going through it, or using a paintbrush or a Q-tip where we could do some aid in getting our vegetable crops to do. But on a larger scale, we know that that's not realistic. Okay. Well, you know what? Um, Feather dusters aren't that expensive, and they work excellent, and they don't harm the plant. Well, there you go. I love that idea. I love that uh, idea. But maybe that'll be our only recourse to pollinate those plants, because if you say pick the male, how do you know which is the male, which is the female? Uh, the female that's on there, because sometimes, you know, if if I have a very large crop, and sometimes I admit I will even pick some blossoms off, because I have a very small lot. So I do it mostly for the fun and for the girls, and I'll pick some of the older, the ones that are the newer ones, so I can get the pollination on my older ones first. Uh, the female ones will have a bulbous set on the inside when it starts to uh, develop the flower. Yes. So you can tell that there's a bulbous set. And it's the flower ovary that's in the inside. If you oh, want to really yeah. Look at it. Okay. This this year, have you heard from my friend Art from Winnipeg, the fella that in win in spring when there's a foot of snow, he's got garlic growing a foot tall. No, I don't think I've heard from him. I don't think I've heard from him. But <laughs> I'm sure too. he's probably listening, and he'll probably call. Yes, because I haven't heard. But Carla, always enjoy your show. Well, thank you, Henry, for listening. And you know what? I always remember you, and it's always the, the black and white story about this hey, stuff. Hey, Carla, i got to ask one last thing. We are in a process of possibly <clears throat> moving. We have uh, 12 cats in the house. Does anybody need good house pets that are fixed, that are indoor-outdoor cats? Well, I don't know, but I'm sure if you leave your name with... Uh, Sasha here, if anyone calls into the show, we'll send them your way. Okay, Henry? Okay, I will do that. Okay, thank you, Henry. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening, everyone. So many questions, so much to learn about gardening. We'll be back next weekend on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.